0: Welcome to My Perfect Console. I'm Simon Parkin. In each episode, I invite a guest from the world of video games, film, television, music or comedy to tell me the five games they would like to immortalise in their very own fictional games machine. The premise allows us to talk about the five video games that are important to the guest, the copy of Sonic the Hedgehog they unwrapped at Christmas, the matches of GoldenEye they enjoyed with friends at college, well, the first time they plugged an Ethernet cable into a PC and logged into World of Warcraft, or whatever it might be. I would love for you to join me on this journey as I speak to a variety of fascinating guests, hear about their choices, as well as something of their lives and careers to date. I wanted to give you a bit of a taster for what you can expect on this podcast. For the first episode which will be coming out shortly, I had the great honour to speak to Josh Wardle, the creator of the video game Phenomenon Wordle, a word game played by millions and purchased in January 2022 by the New York Times for a seven-figure sum. And after he'd shared with me his five choices of games to go on his mini-console, I asked him to just tell me something about the experience of seeing a game that he had made for his girlfriend turn into a global phenomenon, and how he coped with that, and how he feels about the choices that he made now, close to
1: a year later. That's an interesting question. I think that's... So my experience of Wordle building up in the days, building up to the sale was actually not that enjoyable. It was deeply stressful. Like, I was in this weird spot where I was... was this you know, viral game, for want of a better word, and that I wasn't, I'd set out not to commercialize in any way. And in fact, I was like quite principled about that. Like I didn't want to show ads. And what I discovered was other people had no such scruples, right? Wordle knockoffs proliferated. And I, I didn't have any issue with the, you know, like dawdle and cordle, people kind of riffing on the idea. Yeah. But there were some people who basically took the game and the name and just put it on the internet or an app and put ads next to it and that felt really really bad to me which was something that I'm still processing actually it's like I had said I didn't want to make any money from Wordle and I was fine with that but there over here there were some people who decided that they wanted to make money off Wordle it wasn't money I was going to make anyway so I should have been okay with it but there was something that felt deeply wrong about that it left me in a position where It was kind of unclear what my path forward should be, you know, in terms of I was giving the game away for free. I didn't want to start paying a lawyer to, uh, you know, issue cease and desists. I I didn't want Wordle to become my full-time job. It has been this thing that i had done for fun. And so the sale to the New York Times, part of it was to alleviate that pressure. It wasn't uh, ecstatic, euphoric, I've I've sold this thing. It was more, i This this pressure has released, and it's not something that I need to concern myself with anymore. Inevitably, with something like Wordle, likely the most impactful thing I'll ever do in my life, I think there'll there'll always be a question that I'll ask myself: is you know, what if I hadn't sold Wordle to New York Times? What if I'd continued to uh, explore it on my own? And what I have to come back to in those moments is how I felt at that time and I was quite frankly miserable. I was deeply unhappy and I'm much happier now post uh, post-wordle.
0: I hope that that conversation with Josh has whetted your appetite. It's not all going to be serious uh, on this podcast. So I wanted to share with you just one more clip. This is with Charles Cecil MBE, the founder of Revolution Software in the north of England, the video game development studio behind the Broken Sword series of adventure games. Back in the 1980s, Charles Cecil had quite a colourful career and worked for a time at Activision now one of the largest game publishers in the world, worth billions of dollars. But even in the 80s, it was a force to be reckoned with. And Charles told me uh, a story about when one of his bosses from San Francisco came to London and challenged him to a rowing race on the River Thames. He
2: came over um, to to London, I remember, when uh, we, we were based in Reading. Uh, and I, I was rowing, and I still row. And he went, Chuck... Um, yeah, I gather you row. He said, I'd like, to, I'd like to challenge you to a rowing race. I'm oh, okay, Jeff. So anyway, um, a few months go by and I go, Jeff, what about this rowing race? He go, okay. So he got the whole company to my, my club, which was in Hammersmith. And he got into a boat and I got into a boat. He, he claimed that his boat had got lost in, stuck in customs or something, I don't remember. Anyway, so, and the, the Thames is running really, really fast. Is, it, is this a proper uh, skull boat? But, uh, yes, this is a proper boat. skull boat. Exactly, yes. So the Thames is running really fast. My boss is is Rod Cousins. His boss is Jeff Mulligan. Who's, so he's my Uber boss. And I'm going, God, this is... So we, we get into the skull. And the, the CFO who's been brought along from America shouts, go, we go. He turns straight over. He thinks, he thinks because he can, <laughs> because he could... He um, he he's good on a skull you know on a, on a, on an ergo that he can skull and all hell breaks loose because the water's going really fast, and he's been dragged towards the hull of a boat, and if he goes between those hulls more together, he's going to drow, oh gosh so 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 he is utterly humiliated, he's pulled out, and he looks at me and he goes, right, we'll do the rowing machine okay, okay Jeff, like okay, okay, so I go first, and you know i'm Pretty fit, and I and I do a you know, two thousand meters. I do it in however many you know seven, seven, seven and a half minutes or whatever. And he he goes on there. You know, he's cut his foot, so there's a bit of blood coming out, and off he goes. And he's like a sort of bath out of hell for the first minute, and then he slows down, and then he goes paler and paler and paler <laughs> until he's completely white, except for the blood oozing out of his foot, and he's way, way, way behind me. And it's like, this is not the way to go forward of the American company. This is not what you do. Shaking his fist at you, damn you, Chuck Cecil. Exactly. He stood up and he had to be held up because otherwise he would have fainted. Oh, Oh, God. I don't know why I I do it. I don't know why I do it. So that's how you came to leave Activision. (laughs) Exactly. That is how I came to leave Activision.
0: Charles Cecil is very much an anecdote machine, and you can expect a lot more where that came from. I hope you enjoy those two short clips. I have a range of fascinating, diverse guests from around the world, from different industries. And if you are interested in this subject area, then uh, I think this podcast will be worthwhile. So please subscribe. The first episode will be arriving shortly, and. We'll see where the journey takes us. Goodbye.